This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ben is Entirely Too Sleepy, also known as the HP Podcast. Here today, joining me, is my faithful sidekick, Brandon. <laughs> I'll take it. Hello. And returning for the first time in seven years wow. is Dustin Furman. Hello. It's Greetings. good to be back, uh, hanging out. Hanging out. Here in your own house. In my own house. I, I'm, I'm, thanks for having me back in my own in my own studio. You know what? <laughs> we 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 pulled some strings and got you in today. Thank you. Um, so yeah, no. yeah. Holly tried to get us to lock you out, but I'm I'm glad I can be back on this show. This is a a very important show to me, so it feels good that I can you know come back every once in a while. Yeah, we felt bad for you. So yeah, wanted to bring you in. I was no. one podcast away from living on the street, so this is right. like saving me. There's like a quota. Uh, you yourself, I don't know. Uh, the, the the difference is like normally when people make appearances on shows, you get they get like a guest appearance show. This show we're gonna be doing a little different. You're gonna pay us. Oh sure, to be on the show naturally. Okay. So naturally, I got seven dollars. Sometimes you guys got to split it. <laughs> That'll that's actually double our normal uh, our normal cost. So that's well, great. There you all go. Right, all right. Normally, when somebody's on the show, people ask where they are. Dave today is, he had to work late this evening, and uh, Phil, I think maybe the same thing. He told me earlier, but I forget. So either way, it's not your business, people, listeners out there. So screw you. Get out of here. Uh, thanks very much to the patrons, by the way. After that nice screw you message. Uh, We appreciate you being patrons of the HP podcast, and uh, you really do help out as far as cost and production and uh, lining our pockets so we can pave our houses with gold. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. I must have missed something in the contract. Well, I was waiting until you got your own house. (laughs) Fair Uh, enough. It's just a pot of money they're sitting for you. Fair enough. If you are not a patron, you should be. A dollar a month, you get early access to this show, and higher up, you get other rewards as well. You can check those out at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. And whether you're a patron or not, although you get a special badge if you are, you should go over and join the Discord. Go over to handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Be ushered into the very presence of us. The oh, handsomest wow. boys in all the land. That was beautiful. Yeah, I heard you've uh, you've changed around some sayings. No longer, the beautiful boys are out. Yep. And um, I just felt like it was a relic of a time gone by. Mm. Like... I don't know. It'd be like if uh, what's a what's a really famous saying? I'm walking here. I'm walking. <laughs> it's like uh, if, if I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. That's fair. 
you know, if somebody says something and then they leave and you keep saying it, it just feels a little disingenuous. That's fair. I can understand that. You know, you got to chart your own path. All right, the beautiful boys are fucking dead. Damn, dude. Yeah, I already. Yeah, that's already. They've been, they've been dead killed for like two months now. Been Damn dead. it. R.I.P. We thought about naming it the Handsome Men. That seemed too adult for the type of content that we have. When I think when you're like we're the Handsome Men, I'm expecting like. Uh, you know, like when it's just the collar, oh, yeah, but no shirt. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Chip and like, Dale's. Yes, yeah, that's dude. exactly yeah. it. Some Chris Shirt, Farley, yeah, shirtless bow ties. Yeah. Yes, yes. We actually have a surprisingly large amount of topics, and not all of them are as important as others. And some of them are more important than others, which you know that's redundant. What I just said. But the first one, we might as well start off start off with a banger here in the video game news world, and that is that Tencent is buying or has purchased already Sumo Digital. Now, you guys weren't on the show last week. Brandon, you uh, had to dip too. Uh, so you didn't get to hear my rant. I didn't. About Tencent. And Dave and I, Dave the Canadian, who isn't even, he's barely even you know a capitalist, <laughs> but uh, we ranted for a little while about the different things that Tencent was doing. And here they come. Walking down the street, buying up Sackboy. Making my way downtown, yeah. buying Sackboy. Have a concentration camp because we're China. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, poor Sackboy. I know, I know. Poor Sackboy. And actually, Dave, we have a write-in, which we didn't, you know, we, we didn't solicit write-ins or anything. But Dave specifically, since he couldn't be here tonight, uh, wanted me to mention, I just asked that someone express de- discontent on my behalf for Sackboy now officially being a communist. I had always expected he was, but now that it's official, I am in ruin. So, there you go. I don't think... Uh, Sackboy, not owned by Sumo, though. Uh, that is that is accurate, actually. I feel like Sackboy, uh, maybe, like, well, I don't know. Communist by association? Mm-hmm. Is that, is, yeah, is, probably. Is that a thing? <laughs> probably. Right. Now, the other thing that Sumo worked on is Crackdown, which... Okay, that's fine. We ben, knew Crackdown. Ben, that's communist. near and dear to your heart. It is. I love Crackdown. No wonder I, you, you were know. fucking raging last week, my guy. <laughs> no, it had, it had nothing to do with that. I was raging about Tencent trying to buy Crisis uh, or Crytek and also trying just in general being gigantic pieces of shit. Yeah. And uh, there was something else. Oh, they were doing facial recognition to make sure that minors couldn't play games after a certain time of night. Oh, you know what? I did see that shit. Yeah. That's some big brother-ass shit right it there. It is, definitely. I mean, it's literally big brother. Yeah. But anyway, to, to actually tell people the story, Tencent is set to buy Sumo Group in a deal worth $1.27 billion. The companies have announced. The offer will see its shareholders receive... See, the offer will see its shareholders received 513 pence per share, which is a 43% increase on Sumo's last closing price. And by the way, this comes via game in gamesindustry.biz. Now, Tencent did already own an 8.75% stake in the developer, which, you know, that, that those kind of things happen sometimes. But now they own the whole thing. Sumo has developed its own IP in the past, but they are best known for work for higher projects such as Crackdown and Sackboy, all sorts of Sackboy things. So this is just one of many things lately that Tencent is buying up in the video game space. And while this one is not really pleasing to me, 
it is more is less distasteful than them buying Crytek or trying to buy Crytek like we heard last week simply because of the 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 issue with Crytek Brandon since you weren't around and I think Dustin already knows this but uh Crytek does some work for various western militaries making simulation projects and whatnot and people at Crytek and of course I'm sure other people are worried that then China will then have access to these military simulations, et cetera. Yes. I don't know how much of that is fear-mongering, how much of it's true, but either way, it's Tencent, so we can hate it. Seems like Horizon Zero Dawn propaganda to me. Sounds like the game in the making in real life. I mean, it's possible. It's certainly possible. I was just trying to remember how much stuff Sumo has done. Dude, how could you forget Snake Pass? They, how could oh you forget? Oh my goodness, you're right. Wait, what is their association with Snake Pass? I don't Did know. They make it? That's what I'm seeing. I thought that was an indie joint. Uh, maybe they published it. They. It says developer Sumo Digital. Because I remember um, the dude, the the, the, the guy yeah. when we were at the kind of funny panel years ago. Yes. At PAX. So yeah, it says Sumo Digital Secret Mode and Konami are the publishers. Okay. And the developer is Sumo. I was looking here like some recent stuff. I don't know if there's co-developed. Wait, games developed. Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. Yeah. Sackboy, Spider, Team Sonic Racing, Crackdown 3, Snake Pass, Little Big Planet 3. Okay. And then there's a bunch of, like, uh, they did some port work along with um, yeah, I think, some co-developed games. I think the bulk of their work, as far as what's made them money, has been for higher work. Really. Right. Gotcha. But here's the thing, and probably a lot of stuff they're not even credited on, if we know how the industry works. Here's the thing I'm wondering. $1.27 billion... That's a that seems maybe there's something I'm missing here. That seems like a lot of money for somebody who doesn't even own many of their own IP. So, especially when you compare that to some of Sony's recent acquisitions. Ted Price right now. That's his name. He he's the <laughs> yeah. meme of uh the, of uh what's his face Kylo Ren punching the wall. Yeah, you know yeah. from that movie. That's him oh, right uh, now. They, yeah, they, the actor. Well, yeah. Dude, well, dude, um, what was what was? Go ahead. I'm just can't remember what his name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what was Bethesda bought for? That was like seven and a half billion, but that's a much okay, difference. Okay, but I mean, yeah, yeah just like to is, give you some perspective here. Is Sumo worth one sixth or six, seventh of what? Um, of but all of Bethesda. All of worth? Bethesda, uh, or how many times more than Insomniac? The Bethesda deal was so dependent on IP. It really you have was. to think about. I mean, yeah. Doom. Right. I feel like Doom might be worth. I think IP, but also the tech. We don't know what tech they even had brewing there. Remember at E3 when they brought out the streaming tech? Yes. And it was kind of weird. Like why? Yeah. Why is that a thing? Right. That they're like showing on E3. But I, I mean, maybe Microsoft's like, yeah, we want that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just. I mean, part of the, part of the big, way bigger picture, but. Yeah. It's an yeah. interesting idea about the tech. Just a lot of money thrown around for that sort of thing. It is. I mean, I wonder what the best angle is for Tencent, really. I mean, are they just going to continue to have them be secondary assists, you think? Or are they just going to... I would imagine they're going to have them do more of their own IP. And especially, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. I think that it will be a little bit more difficult to get things to get like Sony and stuff on board with letting Sumo continue to, to develop certain things for them with Tencent attached. I 
a little bit. I mean, yeah. Sony's in bed with Tencent to some extent in other areas as well. But seems like a lot of people are. I don't know. Why do you think Tencent wants Sumo of all people? Is it just a money making thing, or is there some other, yeah, hidden thing here that is perplexing? China don't care. They don't. The, the thing that Sorry, I'm that's trying a, to that's a Ryan Davis giant bomb thing from a decade ago. Sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking. Did I hear correctly or something? I think one of our friends told me about this, that like Japan warned us that like you got to be careful because China's buying up a bunch of stuff in Hawaii yeah. and they're eventually just hoping that they'll be able to like take that over. Yeah. Have you heard this at all? I have heard that, but I never gave it. I mean, I never knew if there was any credence to it. So, but it's, it's a separate thing, but it's also similar that you got to wonder if there's like a Chinese strategy that's like okay we we will never they're they're not our friend right even though we have trade relations with them alliances with whatever but like we're we're, at this point a a chinese versus american war would not happen um well i mean it could certainly could but anyway the whole point is why take it over via fighting or battle when you can just slowly influence the culture yes to the point where they run things anyway well and there's also very much a reality of if you buy enough stuff to make enough money you can fund the projects you really want to do anyway right and by the way talking about a war an actual like military war china could mount a million man army tomorrow if they wanted to and it wouldn't even put a dent in their population wow. think about that for a second yeah that's the scariest part to yeah. me and now not, granted and not any to get, war with china is going to have nukes involved one way or the other right but, you know and not to get too deep into that but they they just have volume that's what they have there yes. volume of, of of people right. and they have the i mean their people it's just a different cultural mindset where chinese be- believe in the in the identity of the nation yes whereas in america where we're the land of freedom, it's the individual identity yeah, it's like, over it's, it's national like the, identity. The exact opposite, right? No. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're too free in America. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> I said that to Locke the other day to yeah. our friend Lockmore. I was like, "Freedom was a mistake." Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because I mean, we were no, just, just kidding. complaining about um, people on Twitter and stuff that are so self obsessed with identity and stuff like that. And we don't need to get into that. But I was like, maybe, maybe America's a little too free. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's going to be our downfall. <laughs> I would say there's some credence there. But anyway, the the moral of the story is Sackboy is a communist now and uh, maybe always was a sympathizer, at least, at heart. And we can no longer trust him to guide us along our way. Although I have an wow. unopened copy of Sackboy at my house right now that I need to play. Mm. So I'll still Sony, do that. They're I'll gonna... still do that because I bought it before they were owned by Tencent. Yeah. Sony needs to reform, re-educate Sackboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. Well. <laughs> okay. Uh, guys, the Steam Deck. We were talking a little bit before the show about the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. And it's getting to the point where it's almost old news at this point, based on when it was revealed and everything. But I did see a story today that it turns out, this comes from PCGamer.com, that the Steam Deck's final specs are more impressive than Valve first listed. And apparently Valve corrected the Steam Deck specs page and they made, um, apparently, a, previously made a mistake on the memory bandwidth. Uh, essentially, quote, 
Valve has updated the Steam Deck specifications to correctly report the handheld's genuinely impressive memory specification. First noted with dual-channel RAM, the updated specification now correctly lists quad-channel 32-bit LPDDR5 memory with speeds of up to 5,500 MTS. So that's a lot different, and I don't imagine that that spec changed. I imagine they just had it listed incorrectly to some extent. They're trying to curb enthusiasm. They were trying to curb enthusiasm <laughs> yeah. at first, maybe. I mean, they obviously still sold out. Of them right, exactly. But I guess I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to have a larger conversation, or at least maybe a smaller conversation, about the Steam Deck. Uh, talk about it. So if you're not familiar, Steam Deck, it's going to be a handheld PC, essentially, that will run Steam natively. It's also going to be able to potentially, you know, it's it's a computer, so it's going to be able to load other programs aside from Steam, if you were to wish to do that. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about Game Pass and just other PC programs in general. Uh, but what do you guys think? Brandon, I don't know if you got a lot of chance to dig into it. Dustin, I know you pre-ordered one. I am somewhere in the middle between the two of you, Yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a ton of thoughts on it. Um, I'm in a unique position as far as this goes where it could be enticing for me. Um, but... At the price point, it's close enough for me that I would want the full experience of a PC. Yeah, uh, handheld has never enticed me very much. Um, I'm not often in a place where I want to play video games, and I'm not at my house. Right. Um, it's few and far between, and so for that exact reason, I have little interest um, in the thing in general because um, that's all it is. So right. you know, uh, I, I I think that it corners a market that the switch is unable to corner because they've uh, suppressed themselves that they, they don't need to be anything more than they're not and we right. talked about this a couple weeks ago yeah, we don't need to get into brandon's uh, no no we don't need brandon's to get into rant another rant about, about how much it. nintendo yeah yeah but no i think this is like i'm surprised it's taken this long because i feel like with the success of the switch i thought people would jump on sooner right um i think that Valve making it really intrigues me, but that's about as far as it goes for me, is intrigue. Um, you know, unless it's coming out and it's blowing people's minds, I I don't think I'm I'm willing to bite, so. Yeah. Dustin, why do you want a Steam Deck, potentially? Mainly because I am just intrigued by this as being a new... It's not a new platform, right? Right, but it is a new vertical in the PC space, and that's what how Valve says that they view it. Uh, IGN has been doing really great coverage yeah. about this, and one of the things that the guys from Valve said is that they're like, "Yeah, we're open to licensing. People or manufacturers can get a free license of this version of Steam, so anyone could make their own type of Steam Deck device." And it runs the same software. Right. So, I mean, that works out for Valve because any games they sell, uh, they make money on. Right. So they don't really care. And it's just them. Right. It's not like they're paying 30%. <laughs> Something that, uh, when I was talking to Maddie about this, what he got me intrigued by, uh, I don't know if this justifies the price, but Maddie was like, think about this thing as the best emulation device ever created. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. That is intriguing. Dude, finally, Pokemon Red. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> finally, Pokemon Red on a big-ass screen. It's about damn time. Dude, I mean, uh, at, at one point, we're going to have a Steam Deck 
we're gonna have a switch and you can be like one of these plays ocarina of time yeah one of them does not right thanks nintendo <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't don't even I, I can't i'm not gonna get mad about it <laughs> so yeah it's i'm, I'm just in, intrigued by this vertical people are very excited about it and i think that so let me ask you this ben yeah do you think that valve knew the pre-orders were coming for the steam steam deck mm-hmm. and they told ign is the only company that had preview access and do you, were they like listen you cannot drop this preview until we announce it and we will decide when right. and be ready at a moment's notice because nintendo in the morning said pre-orders are going up today at three for the oled switch uh-huh. and then within just a few hours steam deck was announced yeah I feel like it's intentional. That was a Thursday. I think it was intentional for sure. I mean, if if at the very least, they didn't choose to push it. Mm. So they weren't intimidated by the, the OLED Switch, which I don't know who would be. But they weren't <laughs> intimidated by the OLED Switch announcement at all. And clearly they didn't need to be because it was almost impossible to get one from all accounts. I didn't even bother trying uh, on my own, that is. So... I think, yeah, there was probably some thought about that. And honestly, Valve is the type of company who could have this thing sitting around ready to go. And, hey, let's hold out for a couple months just to see what happens. Right. Now, I would imagine that Steam or that Valve didn't have any more idea if there was going to be a Switch Pro or whatever than anybody else did. Right. I'm just wondering if they... When after the OLED switch got announced, they're like, "Oh, this is gonna line up. Let's let's announce it the day the pre-orders go live." Kind of get like the handheld buzz up, right? Because well, I mean, there's people like our very own Phil, yeah, who decided that he wanted to get a Steam Deck instead of the OLED switch on that day. Yeah, right? decided. Yeah. So you gotta imagine there were other people too, dude. And that's a fucking win too, because I feel like. Most people were unenthused with the OLED, so they're like, "Wow, it's a stinker." Today's the day. If you think that, they're like, to "Try to pre-order one." Yeah, you can't. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I mean, it's Nintendo. People good for are... them. I mean, honestly, Dustin ordered one. Good for them. Are you gonna rent it, Dustin? But also, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, good, good for you. Um, but... Now, here's one thing that is totally unrelated but still matters to the, to the actual device. I would expect in years past they did a little bit of tweaking to it. But now I think we'll see even more restrictions come into play when it comes to the the family sharing where you can share your game library. Mm. I'm just oh, putting it out there on Steam. Yeah, because if everybody like having a PC is going to be or a device that can play Steam games is more accessible now than it will have ever be yeah, in the future 100%. or in the past, I mean. Yeah. So I bet you they're going to crack down on that a little bit. Because why not? Like, hey, you're rolled up next to somebody sitting at an airport. Hey, just a Steam share with me real quick. Right. So I can play your game. Right. Uh, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So that's just that was just a thought of mine that things could change in that direction, potentially. No, I love the way it's going, though. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think it's a great idea. Um and I think that it's just going to continue to get cheaper and easier for people to play these sort of games. Um, you know, so I'm I'm even excited to see you know Gen two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Valve seems to be doing it right. I mean, it's got the specs. So 
Ben, you mentioned the updated specs. Yes. Uh, I don't. So I know a fair bit about computers, but not. I'm not a pro, but I was watching Digital Foundry's video, uh-huh. and they were saying how important it was that the RAM was good. Yes. Because that is what will allow it to be future proof. There's right. certain like CPU, GPU, you can adapt games and right. have a lot of scalability, but like if this thing didn't have enough RAM for next gen style games, then it's DOA eventually. And that's like the dude, this I learned this that I didn't know this. The switch has four gigabytes. I know. Isn't that crazy? Four. I don't think that the GPU I mean the CPU is one thing, but the GPU for this thing, since it's not outputting that high of a frame or a, a resolution probably doesn't need to be terribly beefy it right. needs to be small so it can fit in the device although the thing looks like a monster to me i don't know i'm gonna be excited for someone to tear it apart yeah i want to see that do <laughs> you guys see that someone emailed gabe and was like hey is the m.2 slot so the m.2 slot is for storage okay and the base model doesn't have the nvme storage okay they're like hey it doesn't do- even have it the well, storage it, it only has the, the NVMe. It has sixty-four gigs of like not like normal SSD oh, storage, okay. and right. then the two more expensive ones have NVMe. Gotcha. But they asked Gabe. They were like, "Hey, does do all the models have a M.2 slot?" Yeah, and he just said, "Yes." Yeah, that's all he said. Dude, yeah. someone's gonna rip rip everything out of this and put a fucking thirty eighty in it. Yeah. I want to see it, dude. Whoa. Could you imagine? It's gonna be a big chunk of snacks, well, dude. Dude, Brittany, bring up a great point because. This thing they made so clear. They're like, this is a PC, right? And so, what could you do to it? I mean, I mean, really though, like Ryan McCaffrey at IGN was like, "Could this thing do VR?" And they're like, "Well, it can do anything a PC can do." So technically, yeah, it could, but it's not designed for that. Damn. Right. So it's like, I'm just excited to see like someone's gonna be like, "I did all of, I do all of my work from Steam Deck. I make, I, you know, like that is awesome, there'll be so dude. many cool things. I programmed the space shuttle from Steam Deck, <laughs> right?" <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah. The only, yeah, I think the thing it doesn't have is the ability to upgrade it. Potentially it does, but gotcha. we don't know that to upgrade it like as a normal consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, what, there's clearly some computer whizzes or some, some tech crazy people out there who will do stupid things like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see it. Like, man. didn't Linus one time power a whole bunch of, Linus Tech Tips. He put yeah. a whole bunch of like 3090s together and put them all on a big. I don't know. He had like a hundred twenty thousand dollar computer on a piece of plywood or something one time. Yeah. Like you know, you could do that kind of stuff all day long if you want, but to actually put it in this container will be interesting, right? Yeah. So just for me, the the reason, the main reasons I'm not interested. I, I want one because I like new toys, but I'm not interested because like I want. First of all, if I'm somewhere that's not my house, there's a chance I'm not able to game. If I'm at my house, I'd much rather be at my PC with a mouse and keyboard control or sitting at my console with a controller or whatever. Uh, Now, granted, I've said in the past that anytime I'm on my Switch, it's almost entirely in handheld mode. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, a change up in my opinion there. You know, you could say I'm being inconsistent. But for me, I just don't see a good use case for me to want to spend... What's the highest end one? It's like six fifty. It's like six fifty. There's no chance I'm paying for the cheapest one. Right. If I'm gonna get it, I'm getting the best one. And I can't imagine paying almost seven hundred dollars for a device that I don't really have a use case for. If I rode a train every day or a bus or I was in Ubers a lot, 
Sure. Okay. Right. Yeah, let's go for right. it. The other thing that is really interesting to me, and we'll move on after this, uh, I've had a couple games recently that I've tried to boot up in Steam. I'm thinking specifically of Outriders, Dustin, you know about this. When I tried to boot it up, it wouldn't boot up. So finally, I found the forum post. Somebody just went in and changed the name of the opening cinematic, and then they were able to boot up the game with no other problems. I tried it. worked fine. Had no issues after that. I couldn't even get the game to start until I changed the name of the opening cinematic. How do you troubleshoot some of that PC-related stuff on a Steam Deck that's on a Steam OS? Like, or do you even have to? Maybe it works well enough that you don't have to. They showed a little bit of a a desktop-style interface. Yeah, I was gonna say, can yeah. you can you attach a keyboard to it? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you can. I figured. Yeah. I figured you can dock it. Um, you know, whatever, run keyboard, mouse, however you want to do Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, it, if you pay for it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's pretty much it. You can do do almost anything if you're willing to pay the extra money for it. Brandon, you brought this to my attention, and I find it completely uninteresting, and maybe that's part of the appeal of this story. <laughs> uh, but the, the story you brought up was that PUBG animated series is in the works by Netflix's Castlevania producer. And this comes courtesy of Twinfinite.net. PUBG is about to get the animated treatment as Castlevania executive producer Adi Shankar is looking to bring the Battle Royale game to Netflix. PUBG is getting its own series as both Crafton Inc. and Shankar announced a new partnership to work on the project. According to a press release, Crafton will be collaborating with Shankar to help create and helm the series based on the immensely popular online title. Hmm. Do we care about, <laughs> do we want, does the world need a PUBG animated series? And I don't, they're not saying anime, they're saying animated series. Yeah. One, I think the people that do the Castlevania show on Netflix, quality. Sure. That entices me. I don't think this is a conversation of if the uh, production of the right, show will right, be right, right. Yeah, yeah. But what the fuck is it going to be? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just feel... I'm confused, yeah. mostly. Um, to my knowledge, PUBG has no story, and you would assume that they would just slap some generic story in there. But, like... Then at that point, why is it PUBG? Right. It would it, it'd have like like a Call of Duty it's, anime. It's like, name recognition. Like it just <laughs> it just is confusing to me. Um and at this point Is this the military Hunger Games anime? Yeah, I just feel like it's kind of a weird look for PUBG. Mm-hmm. I don't know. is this gonna entice people to play? I don't know. I'd I just don't know what the the idea behind it is, really, is confusing to me. I think the one thing you can glean off of this is that it's clear that Netflix has a clear appreciation for games. They've yeah. done Castlevania, oh, yeah. they're doing this. And then this is something that's easy to forget about, but it will be very cool is that they're doing that cyberpunk anime from yeah. Studio Trigger, which yeah. may be the best thing to come out of all of this at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, no. But it's cool. And then there's these rumors about netflix potentially partnering with sony in some way but it just makes me i mean if we can get the PUBG, we can do better right yeah. we could get better stuff yeah potentially fortnite <laughs> don't say that okay just a real quick aside is there a fortnite animated series or anything not to my knowledge why not i mean i'm thinking i, I don't want to watch it i don't want it to exist yeah but like all the money they make off fortnite and fortnite related things and all the 
talent they have at Epic alone, let alone at some of these big production studios that would die to make this. Why haven't they made it an animated series? This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Could it be at this point that Fortnite is too dependent on its crossover nature and that the licensing is strictly for games and the marketing around the games? Yeah, I was going to say, because if you make a a Fortnite short at this point, a Fortnite show, yeah. it just has fucking Jonesy. It's just Jonesy. And it doesn't yeah. have anything else. Wouldn't it feel kind of weird? At this point? I guess so. I haven't played long enough, but I've seen enough stuff to know that there's so many different things in Fortnite now. Right. Uh, That's probably part of it. I was thinking part of it may be that, like, for a while, and I think still, they have some sort of narrative that they're trying to develop through Fortnite. Uh, aside, <laughs> like one of the right. one of the narratives is just let's make money, but then yeah. the other narrative is like I don't even know what it's it like is. a multiverse narrative. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to pay for Travis Scott again or something, right? Know. Or the Avengers, <laughs> right? Like that. But so I would imagine like that's got to play part of it. And again, what would it be about? I mean, it's yeah. That's what's most just to go back to that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I get why. Name right. recognition. Yes. It's a big. It's one of the biggest games probably still in the world. You know, top twenty-five. I would assume. Are we talking about PUBG or Fortnite? PUBG at this point. Yeah. But you know, to to wrap back around to that, it's just um, some things don't need to be made. Right. Um, and I don't want to write it off right away, but sure. I've never wanted more from the story from PUBG ever. Uh, so I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll change my mind. That's how I feel about. Like half of movies now. Yeah. Like, does, yeah. Does this need to be made? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it. It could definitely be made, um, but doesn't need to be. Someone is willing to pay for this. Shankar yeah. also said, "To me, this animated project represents another step in the evolution of mending the torched bridge between the games industry and Hollywood." End quote. And. In fairness, I do think that's a smart move. Now, I don't know if PUBG's the game I would have picked to pick to try to mend the fence there, but like there has long been a distaste for each other when it comes to the movie industry and game uh, industry. And in fairness, too, there's a distaste between fans, like hardcore movie people and hardcore game people, yeah. kind of shit on the other one. Dude, but. I will die on the hill of the new Mortal Kombat movie, so... Yeah, that is my yeah. That is my only saving grace for the past ten years. The only one. Yeah. Okay. Video game movie, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to more relevant things, and this also is another thing shaking up, like shaking up across multiple industries. And this is that GTA is getting some new music in the game. They're going to be releasing music inside Grand Theft Auto 
from their new record label from Rockstar Games, which I didn't even realize Rockstar Games created a record label. It is called Circo Loco. And uh, they're relaunching, or they're launching a remix of its first album inside the game. Now, as part of this, and this comes from Rolling Stone, Grand Theft Auto's online, Grand Theft Auto Online's latest update comes yet another affirmation of the music and video game industry's growing partnership as the two businesses continue to intertwine. On Tuesday, GTA developer Rockstar Games announced that it's soundtracking the update with music entirely from its own record label, Circo Loco Records. Now, here's the part where I think it gets interesting. The new music comes as GTA Online launches Los Santos Tuners, which features new storylines and content focused around the game's already well-established car culture. Sorry, that wasn't the part where I thought it was going to get interesting. Uh, let me see how... here. There's a way that it tells you how to actually get the stuff. I, don't, I can't find it at the moment, but basically, in order to get these tracks that they're releasing, you actually have to like find them in the world. Oh, okay. They're going to be like on uh, cassettes or USB sticks or something oh, similar to like that. Oh, that's kind of like a throwback. It is a little bit. Now, first of all, I want to get your reaction on on that. But second of all, I want to get I want to talk a little bit about what it could mean for the future of music in a platform we have joked many times will never end. <laughs> because I'm thinking about the fact that we all the time hear about music licensing running up. They're taking songs out of games. The, this game's no longer available because this asset is no longer licensed, etc. If Rockstar has their own label, creating their own music, they can sign artists, whatever. GTA Online can literally live forever without ever having to worry if they eventually integrate this and make it entirely their own music. Right. Without ever having to worry about that licensing stuff. Yeah, I feel like this is a step in a direction that I wasn't expecting yeah. at all. Um that must be what they've been doing all this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but you're exactly right, Ben. I mean, you know, they certainly got the money. Yeah. Um, so that's not a problem. But yeah, I mean, I guess I think it's, you know, as GTA Online continues to evolve, it's really interesting to see how they progress in different ways than similar games that have been running around for a long time. Like you see the progression of Fortnite th over the years, uh -huh. right? And how... They've added something new to the mix. The live events happening for everyone at the same time. You know, that's really cool. Games are adopting that. The record labels. Right. That's fresh. I don't I don't think any other company's done that. At least the video game. I can't think of another video game industry that's or video game company that started a record label. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean it's just like makes you wonder what are things that we haven't even thought about yet, but Yeah. So do you know, are the songs able to be streamed? I don't know that. Uh, here's the only thing it says about them. And that's a really good point. Like streamed on Twitch. I know right. uh, meant, just yeah, for yeah. the audience. Right. For, player, for players to access the remix, they have to find four separate media sticks representing the four EPs hidden across the Grand Theft Auto map. After finding the media sticks, players can listen to the music while driving and turning on the in-game radio. And Dustin, what determines whether or not you can stream something is whether or not it's been licensed out to one of the big companies. Basically, you have like BMI and there's like four of them. They're all crooks. Uh, they scam small businesses. Ask me how I know. But they basically, you know, you sign to a label and next thing you know, you don't own any of the rights to play your music in public anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's all in the fine print. So that is a good point that maybe they want it to make it more accessible for people to be able to stream because we know GTA 
online especially is a huge part of Twitch culture. Yeah. And YouTube and everything. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, that that was the main thing I was thinking. First of all, if they if they if they own the means of production, if they right. seize the means <laughs> of production, uh then they can allow for streamers, but there's definitely the discoverability of music has already changed. It is, I guess it changed so much when streaming was introduced, like Apple Music and Spotify, stuff like that. But now I think the most interesting thing is that we're seeing musical artists rise from platforms like TikTok, right. um, like yeah. Old Town Road yeah. and Lil right. Nas X is right. owed completely yeah. to TikTok. And so you got to wonder what other possibilities are out there uh, with way this, ways that people can discover music. And so doing that through any the most popular online game right of all time yeah could you become a star in the gta radio and become a millionaire in real life you know well i mean just think about it yes probably but i also think about the fact that i just a crazy example here right taylor swift Mm -hmm. has a real problem with labels and everything i get it i'm not even talking about reality here but hey, Rockstar has their own label. They want to pay Taylor Swift to be on their label. Go for it. Taylor Swift's now in GTA. Rockstar makes a bunch of money from owning the rights to a super popular music artist. And you could stream it. You can play it on YouTube without risk of anything. Uh, they can use it in other games that they have. Like, there's so many. Th- they they don't have to just create their own music with this label. They can buy rights to artists and sign them to their label and create new artists. And that's what's been so confusing to me about the whole issue with record labels is like, 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 like Dustin said, the the discoverability of music. And if you cut out the issues with copywriting, right. Then think of how many more revenues your piece of property can be experienced. If it's not being taken down every five minutes, right? Because you know, someone's got to make money at the end of the day, but the more ears you have, I would think would be better. And I've always thought that. So here, here's one of the reasons I call some of these big, and it's not even the labels. It's the people that the rights get sold to. Like let's, you know, BMI is one example, but so let's say you own a small restaurant and in your restaurant, you only play music from your buddy's indie band that, that plays in their garage and sometimes plays a show every third Thursday of the month. If they're signed to a label and they've sold their rights, you have to pay money to BMI and all these other companies. Now, the way BMI uh, cashes out, the way they pay all the people who are signed to them is they figure out who's on the top 40, you know, the top 40 most whatever. That's what they used to call it. Now, I don't even know if there is such a thing as top 40. But, and they, they divvy out the approximation to them of what they think you probably played. So if you call in order for your buddy who owns, who has an indie band, but is signed to a label to actually get the money from the money you're paying BMI and all these other companies is you have to, every night you have to report what songs you played, send that to these people. And then they will portion that out of what you pay. Like they don't actually pay the people who are really the music you're playing. Right. They pay who they think the average person is probably playing in their place. Oh, wow. And like that's one of the things. So you have to you have to think too like 
let's say you and I both have a band and we both get signed to what is it, Loco Roco or whatever Rockstar's thing is. Yeah, you would have to imagine to some extent our music's going to be available elsewhere. But like they can track exactly how many times our song was played in oh, their no, game. Precisely, you might make sixty percent, and I might make forty percent that day because people like your song more than my, or whatever. Right. So, I think it could be really good for artists for this type of stuff to happen. And if anybody's got the money to do it, it's Rockstar. Yeah, seriously. Are they going to sign uh, the guy that invented the the Badussi? I really <laughs> hope so, dude. Which uh, booty, dick, and pussy, Badussi. Badussi. That's Rockstar. Get on that. That's yeah, the that's, man you need. Yeah, sign this man. <laughs> he needs to be a millionaire <laughs> promptly now for inventing yep. that. <laughs> Do you guys can you think of any other reasons besides uh, needing one for streaming and two, the licensing that they may have done something like this? Like, what what other incentive is there for a game company to own a record label? Mm. Money. Who knows? They're fucking rock star, dude. Yeah. Honestly, you know, it's in their name. They have to own record. They have yeah, to own dude. Music. And music has always been, especially in the GTA series, like an integral part yes. of the experience. And so imagining having your own resources spreading throughout that, like like think about if they would have done this during like Vice City, right? Yeah. And you got that shit stuck in your head. Like that would have carried right. years. So maybe they're just kind of, I don't know, future-proofing themselves in a different way. They're just diversifying in a way that I would not have even imagined. Sure. Um, and that's like really, really neat to see before your eyes. Yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm really racking my brain right now, trying to think of like Rockstar's Endgame. In that, uh, I guess they could just see it as another avenue to make money. Um, but to me, I'm like, wouldn't that be small change compared to GTA Online shark cards and stuff? But maybe now. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. But if you get big artists coming on, it's like you think. Would anybody be enticed to play GTA if it was cheap, if your artist was signed to a record label on this game? You know, I don't know. Right. It's just, yeah, it kind of just gets real. Right. There well, are a lot of ongoing. There's a lot going on up, there. Yeah. Up front as well, large costs associated with licensing music, especially for something like GTA where they knew when they licensed the music that that game was going to, even if it only lasted five years, yeah, was going to make a lot of money and there'd be a lot of people listening to it. So I'm sure they paid hefty for some of those bigger songs. Oh, I bet. Game. Yeah, I bet. All right, moving on to the next subject. One of our favorites, Brandon. <coughs> Excuse me. Skull and Bones, oh. our favorite game ever that we've been talking about for forever, has reached Alpha. But, reportedly, it has been a long, hard road. This is courtesy of IGN.com. After a reported eight years in development (laughs) so far, Ubisoft's Skull and Bones has reached Alpha. Now, as we know, Alpha is basically just means the game is able to be played. It's not anywhere near done. It doesn't even look that pretty, necessarily. There's probably going to be some glitches in the Matrix happening. It might run. It it might run. (laughs) Sometimes. A new report seems to lay bare how many issues it's faced in getting to that point from beginning as an Assassin's Creed Black Flag expansion to only remaining in existence because of a deal with the government of Singapore. Wait, what? Excuse me? I didn't... Yes, I didn't realize this either. <laughs> what the fuck? And I guess 
IGN points to an article from Kotaku, which goes into this extensively. And it goes on, the, the author of this article says that we should read the article from Kotaku multiple times. We're not going to do that because Kotaku is shit, and I don't even want to know what they have to say. But in response to a lengthy report from Kotaku, yes. an Ubisoft spokesperson told the publication that, quote, the Skull and Bones team are proud of what the work they've accomplished on the project since their last update with production, just passing alpha, and are excited to share more details when the time is right. Now, the part about specific... Well, let's talk first about the game. How Why? It, <laughs> yeah, how is it so cursed? Yeah, it's pretty cursed. I need to know what is happening. Because... Eight years. Yes. For an alpha. Yes. From Ubisoft. Correct. Think about that. It just is confusing to me. And especially in the sense that it seemed like it had a good direction. I mean, they had the, the you know, obviously they wanted to flush out a lot of what the game was and expand upon what Black Flag was. Right. But you feel like you have some sort of something there that could have at least launched you for the right. next eight years. Right? I think this game has always looked like shit, personally. Yeah, I agree. Ben, is it doing, like, like I, you're my Sea of Thieves man. Yeah. Anything from you? Well, so here's the, no, first of all, not from me. And that doesn't necessarily relate to how the game looks or seems to be at all. It's solely for me as someone who has latched on to games that have taken forever to finish and then I was disappointed as not wanting to get burned again by that. Amen. Yeah, amen. Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> uh, but basically, I didn't realize this at first, but initially they did plan Skull and Bones as an expansion for Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. So it's even been maybe more than eight years. Well, that would have been around the time w- of would Black it? Flag. Yeah, was right that, around there? Was that 2013? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... That was one of the first things. And then I think they were getting to a point. This is some reporting. I can't credit anybody because I don't remember where I heard it. Might have even just been a speculation. So I'm just putting that out there. Around the time that Sea of Thieves did launch, they were getting pretty close to having like a publicly viewable form of the game somehow. And when Sea of Thieves launched, they were like, oh, no. Their game is way better than ours. Yikes. And like has all the things that our game should have or else nobody's going to play it. Right. Basically. It's too similar but better. And that was when Sea of Thieves was in a way worse state than it is now. Right. Like it's seven million times better now than it was four years ago or three years ago, whenever it wow. launched. Wow. Um, so basically, they say the former developer, who I guess is unnamed, says that it's been in design hell due to a, quote, classic case of mismanagement for eight years. And essentially, uh, I guess, okay, first of all, I guess that this has already cost Ubisoft upwards of $120 million. Excuse me? Already. But the game is being made in Singapore. And the government of Singapore helps prop up some games and, like, you know, pay for some art to, to, to exist. Sure. Much like certain parts of Canada do. And... Part of the reason, or part of the thing that goes along with that, they give subsidies and whatnot. Part of that is that they uh, require them hiring people at Ubisoft Singapore Studio and releasing original IPs. So it's not like they can even tag in another studio Hmm. to help necessarily with this game. So they're basically, and I'm sure there's some sort of, 
you know, as there should be. If, if the government's funding it, there should be some sort of stipulation that you have to hire X amount of people from Singapore, right. et cetera. And Singapore's got money, by We're the way. Kind of stuck I mean, between a skull and a bone here, huh? Kind of stuck between oh, a skull and a bone. Um, <laughs> I'm quitting again. So the very thing... Yeah, <laughs> the very thing that's keeping them alive and able to keep working on this game instead of scrapping it like any other developer in their right mind would have done... Seriously. ...is the Singapore government. And that deal that's keeping it alive is also at least partially what's holding it back is that they have to operate under these very strict terms but if they don't they lose the money so either they continue to suffer through it Holy and make the game God, or they just scrap it and lose the money and you know they're out what do you think a year of the servers will be down or <laughs> i just here's the thing i mean i don't love ship games or pirate games or whatever I like Sea of Thieves because of the unique thing that's there. Right. So, like, while I have an interest in Skull and Bones and seeing what it's like, that doesn't mean just because it's the... It's not like, you know, if you like Call of Duty, you might like Ghost Recon. Right. You know, like, it's totally different than that. It's yeah. not, you know... It, so, I don't know. Eight years is a long... Eight years and $120 million, and that's $120 million plus projected. Right. Uh, and it's not even out of alpha yet. It's a long road till we see this game. And when we do, if it doesn't absolutely blow Sea of Thieves out of the water, it's not going to go anywhere yeah. then either. And I just say that because it is directly comparable to Sea of Thieves. Dude, yeah, well, well, well yeah, to an extent. Right. Yeah. But you got to imagine, dude, as Sea of Thieves just continues to get more popular, they are just shitting bricks over there. Yeah. Dude. Wow, that would suck so bad. Imagine like it was like originally you're like, okay, this game came out. We can't push this yet because it's not <laughs> as good. And then like over years, it has a turnaround success. Not that it wasn't successful at the beginning, I'm sure. But Dude, here's what I'm thinking about. Okay, you said eight years. Eight years ago, I was 19. Uh-huh. And I hadn't even started my uh goal like my my journey to get into games right like my life was completely different yeah. i'm just imagining working on the same thing for eight years well i think that's probably another part of it how many people that you know not just like the three of us but how many people that you know would work at doing something like how many developers are going to work on a game that goes through constant reboots Constant turnovers in management, constant their their uh, cubicle buddy leaves. The game changes direction. All the work they've done for the last eighteen months has been scrapped. How many times can you do that before you leave? And then guess what? When you leave, the guy next to you that's been your cubicle buddy now he's tired of it and he's going to leave. Yeah. How many times has this team turned over yeah. in eight years? Now, not to say that people don't work at game developers right. for their entire career, love it, have some hard times. And then retire. I'm not saying that. That's just a long time. But like, if you have failure after failure after failure, if the reports about toxic workplace, whatever those reports end up pointing to are true, you have to assume to some extent there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. So like, maybe maybe nobody who started working on this game is still there. Thank you for acknowledging the toxic workplace at Ubisoft, Ben. <laughs> it's very important. I only acknowledged it specifically at Ubisoft Singapore. Thank you. 
Dude, don't know people, about the rest of them. People were critical of us yeah. on sacred symbols about that. And I'm like, we don't, I, it's, I'm not saying it's not important. Right. But it's like, it's not what we're talking about right, right. now. Right. Well, okay. We have two more stories. And Brandon, I'll let you talk about this next one because sure. I didn't see what you were talking about specifically, but I'm going to let you talk about it. The Ubisoft earnings call, since we're on the topic of Ubisoft here. No, I just thought uh, it was interesting. It just here. came out. Let me actually. I'm a little bit unprepared. I need to pull it up here. That's all right. Yeah. Well, basically, Ubisoft had their earnings call, you know, like everybody does quarterly, typically. And they talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed Infinity. They just basically elaborated on that a little bit more. They gave some more primers on Beyond Good and Evil. Right. Uh, of course, they want to talk about the Steam Deck and how they're going to, you know, yeah. get into that ecosystem, uh, et cetera. So I always like to see what, what they're going to focus on mostly. Yeah. Um, they're like 80% of current investments are targeted at premium AAA, which isn't abnormal for right. Ubisoft, but it just shows me that at least for this coming year or the past year, their priorities have been very clear Yeah. Um, with 80%. And they're at a weird spot where I think they're kind of not what they used to be. Right. Um, and I wonder at what point when the business model will shift and change Yeah. when they start seeing enough loss. Um, well, that's one thing. Uh, revenue from back catalog title sales slid year over year, dropping by more than 20% compared to the same quarter last year. Yeah. That's back catalog sales. That's not new yeah. releases. So it's like, you know, this has worked before, but how do you shift yeah. to continue to grow? Part of that, by the way, I just realized probably is tied in in some sense to the pandemic because like second quarter, first quarter last year, people, people might were buying people were, shit up. Yeah, yeah. They were, we were talking about video games blowing up. Everybody was just realizing, oh, I'm stuck at home for a couple months, maybe, right. you know, that kind of thing. Right. Ended up being a year. Yeah. I guess I don't got a whole lot to say about it. I just find it interesting mostly, and any of y'all can look it up if you're interested, but... You know, Ubisoft is still one of the one of the big guys, um, even if they're not up there with some of the other ones right now. But you know, I'd like to see them turn around if they can. So, I don't know what you have for the next story. Um, well, let me just comment on something he said yeah. first. You said about eighty percent of their stuff going to AAA games, and we're like, yeah, definitely eighty percent seems like a lot. But I'm wondering if you took any of the other big guys, Activision, EA, how much of their budget goes towards indie games or not or maybe not just not triple a i well, doubt it's 20 percent. well i don't i don't necessarily have a gripe with the 80 percent towards triple mm -hmm. a games but when your triple a games aren't performing like they used to it's just interesting to see that maybe right. you know i would like to see the past couple right. i guess as well to compare and contrast so right cool go ahead dustin i was just gonna say that ubisoft announced that free to play crossover call of duty clone that yes I can't oh yeah i did see that i can't remember what it's even called i did see that um something, something xd yeah i know it, what you're talking about but anyway it's like um it's just interesting to see this big and pretty successful company like really lean into uh i mean i guess they're just rightfully exploring different avenue streams but you know with assassin's creed infinity that's like a major shift yes. for them. Yeah, and um, I feel I feel like it's like almost the exact opposite of what has been asked for. 
which is interesting. Um, what, uh, you know, the more they add these micro transactions into the game, especially into the Assassin's Creed series, I feel like people have drawn back from it. And now they're trying to completely shift the paradigm to be only that. And it seems weird to me. Tom Clancy's X Defiant. That's a fucking terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think I, it's just to make the little face with the XD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The thing that I'm always, I guess where I'm connecting some dots here is just that, uh, rest in peace, Sean Layden. He's mm-hmm. not dead, but he's not at Sony anymore. Mm-hmm. Famously he made the statement that AAA games were getting too expensive. Right. And we're seeing different companies, uh, react in different ways. Sony in particular, not only did they raise the price of their games, but they're releasing these smaller um, expansions, like uh, Miles Morales. Yeah, right, right, great example exactly. of this. So maybe this is just how Ubisoft is experimenting in trying to slim down the budget, release more content, and make more money right. by making more smaller Assassin's Creed games that can be built upon a unified engine which i think could be interesting yeah Um, yeah dave and i talked about it a good bit last week and i was a little bit pessimistic about it and dave was too but he then brought some optimism to the table and was like if they can create better experiences and i might be misremembering a little bit what he said but basically if they can create better experiences and bring everybody together and spend longer on these games and put more resources into them, even if it does change the business model up a little bit and the purchasing model, then I think that's worth it because I love the series. Right. Mm. So that was a good perspective on it, I thought. Yeah. And if he didn't say that, I just now said it, and then I deserve the credit. (laughs) So only people who have listened to both weeks would know. No. I want to be optimistic, but as we see microtransactions are here to stay, um, I think there's a very fine line that big companies walk often. Um, and I just don't want to see them on the wrong side of it. Right. Um, and uh, many companies are. Yeah. So. At least we got away from loot boxes. I, I was mean, thinking about that. We did, did but only we, for exchange for something else. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, that is the question. Loot boxes were cheaper, but they were random. Right. Now we get, we know what we're buying, but they're more expensive. Yeah. Like in the case of Fortnite. Yeah. Right. Or something like that. And Warzone. That's yeah, what actually like, Alec, our friend yeah. Alec, I was like, so tell me, what do you think? How is Epic handling your favorite game, Rocket League? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, uh, the skins are way more expensive now. Yeah, dude, it's pretty standard. It's like 20 bucks for yeah. a decent skin on any game that you want. Right. And it's like, is that better? I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm interested to see how these things continue to shift. And I think I'm actually very hopeful for a game like Halo Infinite. Yeah. To step in with the big guns right. and say one-time Battle Pass purchase. Yeah. And I'd like to see how that shakes up the game because I think there will be other companies that... It's $4 million, but you only have to do it one time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just... I guess we'll see, man. Business is different than it used to be. True. And um, video games are no different. So, I only have one thing left. And it's very small. And it may even get smaller. Oh, uh, I've never heard that. And by that, <laughs> by that, I mean the PS5, according to GameSpot here, the PS5 is getting a very small console redesign. It is going to weigh roughly the weight of six Pop-Tarts less than it did. Mm. So basically, the PS5 is going to get 
a tad bit lighter. I assume this will help them in the long term with shipping and even probably some console manufacturing cost, yeah. etc. Um, <clears throat> it only it's only going to weigh about the the weight of they compare it to six pop tarts or one hundred and twenty pennies less. What so, the fuck? yeah, it's going to be a very small change. Are you guys going to upgrade or what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I would imagine that this will help them, like in the long run. Yeah. You know, no. cut a little bit of cost. We don't know what they're changing in order for that to happen. We do know that, and uh, next year they're going to have another revision because of the semiconductor sh- shortage. Oh, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's what I was just going to ask. Is this not that? This is not that, apparently. This is going to happen before that. Okay. Um, apparently, it's enough of a change in some respect that the revised model of the PS5 will also feature a new screw that can be inserted by hand and is presumably backwards compatible with other threaded holes that utilize bleeding edge lefty loosey righty tidy mechanics. This is not what we meant, Sony, when we wanted backwards Yes, that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> it. Um, so... It seems, if I'm not mistaken, it seems this is going to be just the digital edition oh, that's okay. getting this changed gotcha. too. So again, I don't really know what that means. I would imagine that like things like the face plates, which probably already have molds cast and are getting those are easy to pump out, that kind of thing. Right. Um, those kind of things aren't going to change. They're probably just changing some internal component that maybe didn't even mean to, but just happens to be a little bit lighter. Yeah, and that they're you know they're revealing that because they have to change it a little bit on the box art and yeah. uh, the weight and on Amazon and that kind of thing yeah. and with the shipping partners etc. So that's really it. Yeah, it's it's not going to look any different, and the average person I guarantee will not ever know the difference. No, so no, it just uh, seemed like a story. Yeah, it's funny because that story is actually important to the show tonight because our buddy Jimmy Champagne was potentially going to be on the show tonight, and then he ended up uh, having to stay late at work and record an extra video for his channel, PS Ready, which we've mentioned before, you should all check out, uh, because this news dropped. So, of course, you know, he does speculation and news and stuff yeah. about PlayStation. So that's why he's not here tonight. Dude, did he report on the, the Sony commercial having an upside-down PlayStation that they took down? I think he did do a yeah, video. Yeah, I, I think he... I love that. The yeah. fact amazing, that that dude. somehow made it the whole way through... And not a single person noticed that the PlayStation in the commercial was upside down. Yeah, is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's a, that's it's like Game of Thrones Starbucks cup level. Yeah, I love it, dude. I'm just thinking. <laughs> I forgot I, about. I, that. I love it, dude. I'm thinking about like a, a PS5 that's like, hey, notice anything different about me? <laughs> You're like, uh, they're like, I'm actually six pop tarts later. <laughs> You're like, oh, you look great. Oh, you yeah. look amazing. You look 10 years younger. Thanks. Oh. Dustin, like- how long we got on the clock there, on the, on the recorder? One hour, four minutes. Okay. Damn. Real quick. Real quick. I just want to talk about what we've been playing. 100%. Sure. Brandon, you start. I'll start. Actually, well, Dustin can start. He's All the right. guest. Fair enough. The guest. Uh, okay. What am I playing? I started to replay Demon Souls today nice, on my stream. Dude. Not doing anything. No platinum run. Nothing special. I just I want to play it again to try to play all the Souls games on stream. I thought you did play it on stream. I started on stream once and I was like, I don't want to do this. Oh, okay. It was too soon after my Dark Souls run. Gotcha. Took some time off. So I'm doing that, playing uh, Plague Tale Innocence still. Pretty good. Enjoying it. Recommend it. And 
that's about it. Just hopping into some Destiny here and there as well, but not as much recently. Yeah. Yeah, I've, but been, wa- I've been waiting for crossplay. Nothing has drawn me in a lot right now. Right. Which is actually, it's honestly, it's nice because it's like a little. I, I don't, I'm not the type of guy that takes breaks from gaming. Right. But there's times when I'm just less gaming less, and that's one of those times. Right. And that's cool with me because then, you know, I'm watching, uh, I told you guys I'm watching The Sopranos. Yeah. I'm enjoying that a lot as well. Yeah, dude. So. It's gracious. Nice. I, um, I started to play Returnal. Yes. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it so far. Um, I don't know how far I've gotten um, as far as playtime, but I did get past the first boss. If you go in the ship, you can see. Ooh, I didn't know menu. that. Oh, right. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, but no. It'll show you how many times you've died, how many runs you have, everything. Oh, no shit. I'm yeah. going to have to check it out. Um, no, I, I think that it's a combination of a lot of things I like. Um, I get a lot of Dark Souls feels from it, and that is really enticing to me. Um, I haven't played a ton of bullet hell games ever. Right. Um, very few. Um, and in such a unique way, uh, this game presents bullet hell to me. Um, so it's been fun kind of racking my brain through this. Um, haven't had a super challenging game experience since Demon's Souls, so right. it's nice to have something that is challenging in a lot of ways, uh, similar but very different. Right. Um, yeah, you're really waiting to play more. Um, and honestly, let me think. I don't think I mentioned, but I played in uh, Platinum Miles Morales as well, finally. Yes, um, yes. It's a little bit of old news, but I want to sing the praises of this game. Um, I think it is great. Um, concise, uh, polished, and beautiful. It's, I, yeah, it's it looks so, so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, so great game would play again so nice but that's about it man just returnal um and miles i've also been playing returnal not a lot to add over what you've said there i haven't got to play it near as much as i would like to because i am really really enjoying it uh i feel like it's hard i know it's hard it's it's definitely difficult but i was surprised that i don't find it as hard as i thought i was going to and that's I think I'm just generally not great at video games. I just really enjoy them. Uh, so I was not expecting to get to the boss half of my run so right. far. You know, the right. first boss. So that's where I'm at with that. And and maybe that has something to do with... They did an update, maybe changed some of the RNG. I've heard that. Um, so I don't know if that has something to do because I didn't get to play it before they changed the RNG. Yeah. But either way, I'm happy... I mean, it's, it's not like... I'm not saying it's easy for me by any means, but... I was just expecting to be absolutely dog shit at Crushed, it. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also, you know, of course, been playing Sea of Thieves, always playing Sea of Thieves. That's that's my thing. And then I did, I bought a Series S. Dave and I talked about that on the on last episode uh, last week. And then within a couple of days, um, a buddy in a Discord group, a man was like, hey, I, I can get you one of these right now. I have it in my cart. Do you want it? I was like, yes. So, got actually, it might have been the, literally the day after we recorded that that happened. So, got a Series S. Of course, I'm already paying for Game Pass, so I just had to pay the extra five bucks to get Ultimate. And uh, downloaded the show. Okay. I saw you playing that. Been playing a little bit of the show. Cool. I'm not a big sports game fan. One, it was free, though. I mean, not free, but, you know, it didn't cost me anything extra. And two, there's a very RPG element type thing to it where you're playing, like, the 
career league where you you start as a guy in the minors and you go up through. Right. And that's just been kind of fun to play as like one character, build that character up, get better and better. I like that. But that's more of a, I'm still awake at 4 a.m., don't want to quite go to bed yet yeah. because I haven't done anything but work for the last three hours and, you know. And then uh, I decided I wanted to play through all the Halo games before mm. Infinite comes out. And I realized I've never played five. So I started the Master Chief Collection over again, uh, started with one, and I'm a couple hours into one, the Halo one. So that's where I'm at. And I haven't started playing it yet, but I did download Chris Tales because I played that at E3 last year. It was phenomenal, the little bit I'd played. And I'm really looking for, that was two years ago. Holy crap. Really looking forward to um, to playing it. It just came out today. I got to download that. Yeah. I'm doing that right now on the app because you can just like boop in the Game Pass app. I think it's only, it's a pretty small game too. Yeah. Um, but it, it just really seems like it deals with time travel and like stuff like that. And I think I've said before on the show, like I love just things that deal in time travel, things that like explore that universe, even though I don't really have any like real life aspirations or anything. It's just that that kind of stuff appeals to me and always have. Uh, so I'm excited to, to kick that up. Um, maybe tomorrow night, maybe tonight. I mean, We'll Dude, see. also they just added Blood Roots. They did. Which is pretty good. It is pretty good. I played that when it came out. Yeah. I thought that was on Game Pass before, but maybe we had a review of that or a review code or something. Yeah. I don't remember loving it as much as I wanted to, but I think it was still good. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they're adding our boy Blinks yes. later this month. Yes. Who can forget Blinks? <laughs> awesome. I think that's all we got. Yeah. Wrapping it up. Thanks yeah. for joining us, Dustin. Of yeah, course. Man. I mean, happy you were already here. here, so why not? <laughs> I was already here. I'm happy to be here. I'll be back again. Who knows? I still, dude, I've been meaning to listen to After Dark. Oh. Because, yeah. you know, we've talked about how I was planning on still being on After Dark. And yes. then the first one that popped up. You were dead. I was, I was uh, in Virginia. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, I've been meaning to listen to that just because I feel like I'm really excited to be like, what's the show like to listen to? Who did to we it? have on it? Was it just me, you, and Phil, or was, I think Dave it was on just two? I think it was just us three. Just us three. Wasn't okay. that the cake tasting then? Yes, I think it might have been. Yeah. Without well, cake. anyway, I'm sure Phil got raunchy <laughs> or something. But yeah, I so if listen. you haven't listened, there's a new episode for patrons, uh, $3 and up patrons of After Dark. And uh, if you didn't even know that, there's there's last month's episode available for you. So check yeah. that out. Don't forget to check out patreon.com slash handsome phantom. And, uh, you know, maybe consider throwing us a buck a month. Wouldn't hurt you. Wouldn't kill you. That's one. That's that's less than one new game every five years to support us for a year on, on Patreon. So at a dollar a month. Just okay. think about it, you know. Just think about it. With that said, I think we're done. Signing off. See ya. This podcast is brought to you by our producers over at patreon.com. You can be a producer by visiting patreon.com slash handsome phantom, adaholic, passive pixels, Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Poot, Jared, Felix Check, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Michael J. Sutherland, Jared Cavallero, Jason Canham, and Kevin Lucas. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.